not only just wasn't that love, but isn't this love. It's not just something we talk about in the past tense, but something we're enjoying right here tonight, being in the presence of God. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, if you would, verse 1. We'll read verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2. Aren't you glad to be together tonight in this old cool, wet, damp, wintry night? It's good to be in church, whether it's wet or cold or hot or fuming or whatever. It's just good to be in church. Now, listen, listen here closely. We're going to read about your birth paths. You were born under a certain star that has something to do with you, naturally. And you're born under a certain sign, spiritually as well. God has seven seats of mercy. The Spirit of God spoke to me two days ago, three days ago, and said, light, light, and blood bring us to a place of remission. Light and blood. I know you're looking the way I did when I was in the bed before daylight when he spoke that to me too, but you'll understand it after a while. Just ponder about it. Light and blood bring us to a place. You say, you ain't got no scripture, but I do. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. Light and blood. You see, blood don't show you your sins. Light does But light don't cleanse you of your sins. Blood does. Can't you see when folks reject the light of the day, no matter how much they scream and holler about the blood, it don't do any good. Because you got to have light to show on the sin. Then the sin, whenever you see it, you ask God to forgive you, and then God forgives you because of the blood. But the light helped you to see it. If not, you'd be like all the rest of these people out here. Thank the Lord. Now, this had already taken place, of course, with the apostles here in the upper room, and they're now going into the uh, second or third stage of their walk with God. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So it had nothing to do with them. They didn't all have a big bunch of fans, and they didn't have the organ going, the guitar going, the piano going, the drums going. As a matter of fact, they probably didn't have one instrument up there at all. So the house wasn't filled with music. The house was filled with the wind of God. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, these were Jews, of course, and they began to speak in Aramaic and Greek and Bithynian and all different types of languages. And the Spirit of God was the one giving them the utterance. Now, it was, we know there's different types of tongues, tongues of men and of angels. This particular spot was tongues of men. They're going to come out of there. The sound's coming out of the windows now where, where this was going on. And the sound's coming out of the windows being carried by the wind. So all the people are gathered there in Jerusalem. And they hear all this. They say, what in the world is going on? What in the world? Listen to all this. I hear my own language coming out of that building. And then there was other people, Parthians. And, and I, I hear my language. And they say, what is going on? And they come out. It's all Jews. So the Spirit of God was giving them a great, great awakening. Then they gathered together, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Dr. Simon Peter took out his his pen and his pad and wrote the prescription. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and them that are far off, even as many, which is us, as the Lord our God shall call. Aren't you glad you've had that same thing happen to you? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we count it such an honor to be gathered together here tonight, Lord Jesus, once again in your presence. Lord, even if we just dismissed right now, it would be such a blessing to be here. Lord, to be able to shake hands with the saints of God, we believe these people we're going to live eternity with. Lord, and then to be able to sense the presence of the great King among us, we're so happy to be here. But we believe you have something for us in the order of your word. I pray that you would help us. Take your word tonight, break it afresh to us, Father. Anoint us to be able to receive. Illuminate us as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. God started his church the way he wanted it. He's going to end his church the way he started it. God did not start it focused upon one great preacher. Uh, God did not start it focused upon just preachers alone. And laity was nothing. People were nothing. Sheep were nothing. God did not start it to where that the uh, people would all gather around one great preacher and they'd all uh, be able to receive from him and everybody else was basically nothings and nobody. No, Hollywood has done that to us. And I did say us because it's crept inside the message of the hour. But God started it out the way that he wanted, and that was with an apostolic foundation to where that the apostles would go forth, and they would begin to spread the light. Now, God knew exactly what he was doing and the order of the gifts of the ministry that he called first, and he called them disciples or apostles. And from there will come forth the bursting of the ministry. If, if those of you that understand how the missionary field even works right now, you know that there are brothers that will be burdened to go into a certain area. They may not be a pastor at all. They may not have a burden to be a pastor, but yet they got a, a burden to go into an area somewhere and witness to people. They go to, you know, handing out books and tapes and whatever more, having a little tiny meetings. But as far as being called to pastor a church, they're just not called to do it. But God will move on their heart and they'll go in there and start a little something. And you see it, whether it's in China or Japan or in Uganda or different parts of the world, 
where it happens. And then nine times out of ten, God will raise up a man right among that group of people or one that will come from among his own, you know, Chinamen among the Chinese, Japanese from the Japanese and so on. And God will then move on that man's heart. He'll go somewhere else. What is it? It's like that missionary that God started the church out with in the very beginning. Now, that was God's way of doing it. Now, a pastor is not that type of a guy. Can he be on the foundation work? Of course he can. God allowed us by his grace to be part of the beginning works of the things years ago in China. My heart still has a pull in that way. And oh my, I think about them from time to time and the meetings that I had and I'm still getting testimonies and all that. But I'm not one that's sent. I'm not one to go out and start works and stay there for weeks and weeks and months and months. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm called to do. But yet I can be able to go after that man goes and that establishes it and starts it then I can go in there others can go in there and maybe pull them a little farther and help them to see more things you understand that but yet God is the one who starts it out so no 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 aspect of the fivefold ministry is complete without the other foes blending it together now we call it fivefold because each one of them folds right in toward the palm in order to make the entire hand of God. You see, each one of them being right toward the function of the personality of God himself. So what if you do if you just had a thumb? You're going to have a hard time picking up anything. Well, what if you just got a thumb and this finger here? You're still going to have a hard time. What if you got a thumb and this little finger right here? You're going to be deformed. That's what you're going to be. So God put five on there, four in your thumb. And God knows exactly how to bend them all together and more they can ever one work exactly the way God wants them. Now you and I may not be so much affected by the missionaries. Missionaries will come through from time to time but on the field where God sends them, you know, they may not be ones that people call for conventions and they may not be ones that preach over in Ruth and the meetings there and there and people say, well, I don't know how much of a ministry that they've got. It's because you're not seeing them in their scope. You're not seeing them where God has placed them. You see them where God has placed them and you will identify and recognize the very thing that God has placed in their life. Now it's the same with each of us that whenever God has called us and when we look at what the ministry was in the original church that they were called to blend in one with another. They knew that there was a diversification even in understanding as Peter acknowledged that our beloved brother Paul writes many things which are hard to be understood. But yet he went on to call Paul's writings the scripture. And he said those who are unlearned twist those things or rest which is twist. They twist those things as they do the other scriptures. So here Peter identified Paul's writing as scripture. Praise the Lord. But yet Peter himself did not have the understanding that Paul had. I'm grateful for the book of Peter myself. First and second Peter he says some wonderful things. But yet it also took Paul, it took James, it took all of that blending together to make the New Testament church what God wanted it to be. And the church said... 
Same way today. Now for those around the ranks of the message who feel like all we need to do is just share Brother Branham and just play tapes and we don't really need pastors. We don't need evangelists to come. You understand what they're doing? Now they're trying to take the sum and they're trying to say, well, you don't need that and you don't need that and you don't need that. So they're just trying to throw basically it all away. Most of them who believe that don't even put Brother Branham in the fivefold ministry at all anyway. They put Brother Branham as an Old Testament prophet and when you remove him from the New Testament and put him in the Old, you have just dislocated your prophet and you're bound for hell. Because when you dislocate the word, it means that you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, praise the Lord. When you mislocate, when you misplace or dislocate the Word of God, it means you're not born of the Spirit of God. Because if you are, you leave the Word in its place. God placed Brother Branham in the New Testament. Leave him where God placed him. Hallelujah. What did the Lord tell him whenever he's driving down the road coming through Montana and he sees that seven peak mountain there and the Lord says your name is written all over. Well, you told me I was a prophet. Uh, if I'm a prophet, then I, I want to go out in the wilderness. He said, of course, I had a selfish motive. I wanted to fish and hunt and be able to do what I wanted to do. He said, that was the prophets of the Old Testament. You have more gifts than that. You are called in the apostolic way. Now this is what the angel of the Lord told Brother Branham. You are called in the apostolic way. So to make Brother Branham Moses, you're displacing God's prophet. To make Brother Branham just an Old Testament prophet, you're taking him completely out of where God placed him. God placed him in the new. And God then is going to birth other ministry that will come and take that same word that he brought and they will preach the same thing. Oh no, they're not going to embellish it. They're not going to stand up and say, well, Brother Branham was wrong here and wrong there and wrong there. And God sent me to straighten Brother Branham out. A man who says that ain't even filled with the Holy Ghost either. He don't need to be preaching because he's not born again. If he really understands it, he knows that God sends a man in every age. Out from under him come the ministry of those who are taught by the Spirit of God. And they go right on. Sure, they know that man's a man. They know that he quotes scripture sometimes and he, he places the wrong chapter in the wrong verse. They understand that. They have no problem with that. I perfectly myself, I did not need a perfect prophet. I had a perfect savior. I don't need perfect deacons at Happy Valley, perfect trustees, perfect song leader, perfect piano player, perfect organ player. We don't need a perfect pastor. We got a perfect Jesus. And that perfect Jesus takes all of us with all of our faults and he says, I will make you mine. I'll wash you, I'll cleanse you, and I will separate you to myself and I will call you my bride. Aren't you glad for that? So then God placed these, these gifts inside the body and he's going to call them the church. Now, we'll resume tonight by God's help and looking how that he chose to manifest himself in a sevenfold manner through what is called the seven spirits of God. It is the personage of God revealed through seven lights. God loves sevens, fives, for forties and, and twenties and twenty-fours rather. And God loves these different numerics of the Bible, but you got to keep the 
type straight in order to make the story clear. If not, you get it all messed up. Now, when you go to mix the sevens with the eights and the eights with the forties and the fifties, it'll mess up every time. And we have to be so careful because our message has so many types in it because Brother Brennan was a typologist, as God is. But yet, whenever we get messed up, that's where we will have to make it fit. If it's lined up by God, we never have to make God's word fit. It fits on its own. Now watch in Revelation chapter 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. From the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now notice seven churches. Verse 11. Saying I am Alpha and Omega the first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book. Send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto to Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now remember, these are seven natural churches in this time frame, 96 AD, when John is writing this, but it is a symbol of seven church ages that is going to be spanned for 2,000 years. But God takes these seven literal churches and he picks them out to typify the age and the trait by which they're going to represent. Notice in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches and actually the English word they chose to use was candlestick but actually it's not the right word the prophet tells us the right word is a lampstand now a lampstand is totally different than a candlestick a candlestick of course is made out of tallow had something coming up to the middle of it they would light it but a lampstand was totally different in that the wick come down through it and then the wick run down to the oil, dipped into the oil, which is the immersion of the life of Christ. So it was, it was a lampstand instead of a candlestick. Notice now all the sevens. I want you to notice here that John, by the Spirit of God, does not write to seven tape groups. They were not writing to seven tape libraries. They were riding the seven churches. Them churches had preachers. They had miracles, they had signs, they had wonders, they had supernatural. That's the church Jesus claims as his own. I'll tell you who the message churches are. No, it's not a difficult identification to find the real true message churches. Mark 16 in action. That's the church Jesus claims as his own. So those, I don't care how deep they are, those that want to fuss and fight, do away with the Pentecostal experience, they're not the church of the Lord Jesus. Because the church of the Lord Jesus are those, as he claims is his own, is Mark 16 in action. That is a direct quote from the church age book. Right. Now, so John sees the glorified Christ standing in the midst of the seven lampstands, which symbolizes that he was standing among the seven churches or the span of the seven church ages. Now, it's going to go, of course, from there on down to where we are now. He does not see one gigantic lamp, but he actually sees seven separate lampstands. And here stands the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the ministration of the Son of Man, standing right Right in the middle of the lampstand, showing that he's in all seven church ages right to the very end. Notice in Revelation 2.7, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto thee. Church. 
to him that overcometh shall I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Verse 11, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto thee. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Verse 17, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto thee. Churches, to him that overcometh shall I give. Do you understand? Do you see now the what God's focus was? It was not just to this great preacher and that great man and this great ministry here. No, it was the churches. The focus of God in the apostolic foundation was the church. So where have we got this idea then that this great man's going to lead the bride everywhere and this great man over here and this great man over there and people bring the same thing inside the church and this certain person feels like they're a little bit above and better than everybody else. There's nobody here any better than anybody else. I don't care if you're rich, if you pay three cents a week in tithes, or if you pay $5,000 a month in tithes, I don't know who pays tithes here. I don't know. I don't care. That ain't my concern. I'm not concerned about how much you pay when you pay it. Brother Jim Babb takes care of that for us. So I don't know how much you pay, what you pay, when you pay it, or if you do pay it. Okay? So I can preach on tithes because I don't know if you do or if you don't. That's between you and God, whether or not you pay him. That's right. And it got nothing to do with me. That's your obedience to the word of God. But yet, whenever God places it, he does not place people because they can sing better than this one or play the guitar better than that one. And that gives him a special favor. There is no such a thing in the word of God. That is politics, that is favoritism. And I realize that some people have got such a complex, they have to be made over all the time. Well, I'm telling you right now, there ain't no room for you in this church. So if you've got to be baby and your name has got to be called and you've got to be humored I would advise you to pack your bags and hit the door do you understand me everybody here brother Larry you understand me brother Scott do you understand me Harry my brother do you understand me Carol my wife do you understand me if I look like the pamper man You've got a wrong idea. I don't care. Well, glory to God. I'm packing a bunch of nipples and bottles around tonight to feed a bunch of babies. I'm trying to get a bride ready. Jesus ain't coming for no baby bride that's two years old. He's wanting to marry a woman. A woman, not a baby. That's got to be babied and petted. That's the church of the living God. So this is what he focuses on, is on the church itself. Notice in verse 23, I will kill her children with death. Talking about the denominational systems now. And all the churches shall know him. I am he which searches the reins and the hearts. I will give unto everyone according to your works. Notice the rewards is spoke to who? The churches. The message is spoke to who? The churches. The angels are sent to who? The churches. Well, that's me. Notice Revelation chapter 2 verse 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the Revelation 3, 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse 22. He that hath an ear. Boy, God must be trying to get this over to somebody. He said it seven times to these churches. It must be pretty important. 
The question is, have you got an ear? Now, the Lord chose to reveal himself in seven ages. Now, God is known by sevens. There are seven natural colors of choice in God's presence. God chooses to reveal himself in colors. And you know as well as I do, living on the earth, that there are certain colors that apparently God likes better. Or let me say it this way, that he uses more than other colors. Now, God apparently loves greens. Look at your grass. Wouldn't our grass be really odd if it was hot pink? Can you imagine purple grass? I mean, I know people have purple hair in this day we're living in, but you know what? I just have a hard time with purple hair. But can you imagine God must love green? So you look in the forest in the spring, and what do you see? You see all these different shades of green. Oh, my. And you look at the grass, and you look. We've got the evergreen trees, as we call them. But even with that, you've got the white pine, the scotch pine. You've got the Norwegian spruce. On and on and on and on. And each of them a little bit different hue of green. So there's a lot God loves, apparently, green. And God loves blue. Now, God loves the azure blue. God loves the color of the Mediterranean. God loves the color of the ocean down in Florida. God loves apparently a lot of blues. And yet God also loves other colors. He loves the color amber, which is a yellowish green. Now God does not choose to reveal himself as far as in the pillar of fire in the color of the spectrum of the rainbow when it would come to blues. But yet God does love blue. So God is particular about the avenue in which he reveals himself. So he could have chose to reveal himself in many, many ways, but God chose the number seven and also the number five. Now we know there's five sevens which come together to make the perfect reflection of what God wants to do through the church ages and time. Everybody with me so far? All right. Now watch this. We want to be a part of this church that we're talking about. Notice now, let's look at this again in Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now remember there are not seven spirits as far as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but it is seven manifestations of the same Holy Ghost projecting from the throne of God through the messenger of the age to the lampstand in the age and from there it reflects toward the mercy seat where the believers on the earth are able to receive the forgiveness for their unbelief. Now notice every bit of it is the protocol of God of how it comes in order of divine worship. Now we know it's set up of course on the parallel of the tabernacle of the Old Testament so they would come in the outer court then they come to the inner court and the last piece of furniture coming right up near the veil was of course the menorah which is standing there beside the table of shewbread which is the bread of his face or his presence and this is the way coming to worship. So it was that the light is coming brighter and brighter and it made the way or led you to to the Shekinah back in behind the veil where the cherubims overshadowed the mercy seat. So it was the light from the menorah that actually pointed the way where you could see how to get back in the presence of God. What was it? The church ages. That God is going to start from the outside. He's going to start from the dealing with you, hearing the word of God, moving inside of your spirit, finally coming inside of your soul. Now God designed this himself. This is not mine and your choice. God 
God don't need our opinion. He don't need our persuasion. This is the way God wanted it to be. So God wanted and he loved the number seven. Now watch this in the Sardesian church age. Let's take the first verse, the seven spirits and the seven stars. The spirits was the angels that went to the stars. Listen now. The spirits was the angels that went to the stars, which were the messengers. Seven spirits. Amen. Seven, seven different times the Holy Spirit would anoint a messenger. So the spirits was the angels that went to the stars, and the stars are the seven church messengers. So the spirits of God coming into these messengers to guide them. Now notice seven different times the Holy Spirit would anoint a messenger, which was a star in his day. So what did all this symbolize? Nighttime. Stars, lampstands, lights, oil. What is it? It's not daytime. You don't need this in bright daylight, but it is signifying a time of darkness that's under the ministry of the moon. Not the ministry of the full-blown sun, but of the moon. Notice he said, anoint a messenger was a star in his day. A spirit is eternal, and the star that was made for a purpose to reflect light in the dark of these church ages, where candles and stars represented. The angel, the spirit, was the one that went to the star and reflected the light of the Holy Spirit through the star to that church age. So the angel coming from the presence of God, from before the throne of God, is the anointing, and it comes down and strikes the messenger on the earth, like the sun striking and hitting the image of the moon, and what does it do? It reflects then over upon the lampstand, the lampstand then leads to the mercy seat, it becomes a foundation of the truth, and then the real believers of that day, they fall under the auspices of the light and the blood, they hear the word of God, it brings them to an acknowledgement of their unbelief, the Trinitarian baptism, whatever it is, as the light shines upon the mercy seat, glory to God, hallelujah, as the light shines upon the mercy seat, and the cherubims are able to roll back to darkness of their unbelief, and the spirit of God able to go down into the very mercy seat, and they become pardoned for their unbelief, but it takes the coupling together of both light and blood, in order to bring you and I to the purging of the mercy seat of the age that we live in. To turn down the light of God for the day you live in. How are you going to find your way to see what's right and wrong? Oh, but I love the blood. I claim the blood. You can sing about the blood till you're blue in the face. You still got to have light to lead you. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice now these sevens. Again, in Revelation chapter 4, part 2. Seven spirits, seven callers, seven church ages, seven ministers, seven lights. Everything's in a seven. God's perfect in seven. God worked six days. The seventh day he rested. Amen. And the 7,000, the 7,000 is the millennium. Now remember in keeping these numbers straight, for those brothers who try to make us in an eighth day, how can you do that when the millennium is still the seventh? As far as in our souls, yes. Our soul is moved over into the eighth day in eternity, but we will still be in time under the millennium. We will be still be worshiping under the feast of tabernacles in the millennium. 
Well, glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. So we have to keep our type straight. If not, we get it all goofed up. Now notice he said the 7,000 is the millennium. Again, out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. Not one voice, voices plural. What is it? God speaking to the church, reflecting himself through the seven spirits. When the true anointed of God speaks, it's the voice When the true anointed of God speak, it's the voice of God. To reject it is to remove the candlestick. See, voices, the voices of the seven church ages over here on the corner. The voice is speaking with thunder and lightning. Now notice then John, notice as the vision goes on in Revelation chapter one, verse five, before he leads up to this. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now it unfolds into the very sevenfold personage of God himself because God chose seven attributes by which he would reveal himself. He chooses colors, he chooses church ages, he even chooses men by which he'll identify himself with. I'll tell you one thing, you're going to be in a lot of trouble that day whenever you blaspheme the very servant of God that God chose to lead you out. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. Under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. Now notice the Lord Jesus identifies himself as the administration pivotal point through which these seven spirits or seven manifestations of God are going to flow through. And he also says just to let you know I have those seven stars in my hand watch this now the prophet said the seven spirits that are before God these seven spirits are represented as the seven spirits that would be sent for for the seven church ages seven spirits so now look friends if we're in an eighth age we have no anointing for this age So if we're in an eighth age beyond the seventh, we have no stripe of blood. Because there were seven stripes of blood put in the atonement for the Old Testament. And there's only seven spirits, seven manifestations of the Spirit of God. So if we're in an eighth age beyond the seventh church age, we have no rapture, no blood, no mercy seat. Don't you understand why those who preach stuff say there is no more mercy? Don't you understand where they're heading? They'll have the right to tell you if you can be saved or not. Then you come to them. Well, the mercy seat's in the bride. That's real easy to say. But explain yourself. You say, well, a lot of them going, well, if you don't follow us, you're cut off. I'm glad my name ain't put on there or removed by you. Amen. Amen. Can we go on? Now, notice this. I love the way he expresses this in Hebrews. He said, in there we find out that he had seven varieties of spirit. Is that right? The Bible said in Revelation, the seven spirits before the throne of God. Is that right? Congregation says, 
Thank you. Is that right? He said, then the seven manifold, seven spirit, we find out there is seven colors. There is seven church ages there. Oh, it just runs. Seven is complete. And God was complete. And seven spirits. And those seven spirits were perfect. So it's not that there's seven Holy Ghosts and seven fathers and seven sons. But it's the seven attributes of God that he desired to reflect himself in these church ages. Amen. Those colors, there is seven natural colors. Those colors represent the purity of God. Now notice then, so God chose colors. Well, you say, why would he do that? He's the one who made colors. Now the natural colors that God created by light and by his spoken word, and we know that you take a prism and you're able to reflect it through there and it bends the light waves as it comes back out according to the type of light that it is. You know that the, you know, the scientists have been able to, in the last uh, 20, 30 years, whatever more, to find even more spectrums of color of light that they never knew was even there. They broke into a further understanding of the colors of light rays. Well, I think that's very fitting where we are because the light of God is also the same way and yet God put it there and they're just now finding some of the things that he made there four or five hundred million years ago whenever it was well praise the Lord now notice this those seven colors they represent seven church ages so you've got a lampstand which represents an age and you also have a color that represents an age now remember when John looks and he sees the throne of God and he sees round about the throne what a rainbow and he sees the deity of God reflecting through the prism what was the prism the body the sonship the humanity of the Lord Jesus the very light of God shines through the three in one the pyramid as it comes together and it bends as it hits the very heart of the Logos and it comes out on the other side what? Seven church ages oh praise be to God as long as it stayed in the eternal we would have never seen that but it comes from the eternal through the human body through the atonement on the sacrifice of the altar there the sonship the Lord Jesus and as the deity of God projects through that it bends the light and comes out on the other sides Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira oh hallelujah what is it? it's God reflecting himself through seven church ages Oh, praise the Lord. Those seven colors represented the seven church ages, seven stars and seven angels. All through the scriptures, seven ministers, seven messengers, seven messages, all in the seven, seven days, six days. And the seventh is the Sabbath, perfect, complete. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, no, I'm going to wait till this weekend. Revelation chapter 4 verse 3 and he that sat notice this now he that sat now we're looking here to the throne of God and we're going to see the personage of God revealed through the view that God wants John to be able to see it now it does not go back into the eternal whenever there was no body form there or there was no shape there we know that God never had a permanent human body till after the Lord Jesus came upon the earth then God said from this part of the earth I will take from this and redeem the rest of it you 
see the seed of God was planted in the earth's woman in the beginning in the book of Genesis. And the seed of God was planted in the earth, amen, in the beginning of the New Testament, the seed of God, Christ the Word, planted in the womb of Mary, a virgin, hallelujah. What was the earth? The earth was a virgin when she received God's spoken word, seed Adam. And she produced out of that a body for this Adam to live in. He stood there on the earth as a God. And the beginning of the New Testament, the genesis of the New Testament, God speaks his word, Christ the Logos, into a virgin womb called Mary. Out of there comes the body by which God will redeem all the rest of the creation. What was it the second man had? So John looks and he says, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. This, of course, is Reuben and Benjamin, their birthstones. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, this is the deity of God reflected, perfected through humanity. Huh. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Daniel didn't see it quite like this. This is after Calvary. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Notice the success of Calvary. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders. Four and twenty elders. How in the world did they get a place there after Calvary? Remember paradise was emptied out. I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Amen. Notice Revelation 5, 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Now remember a horn in the Bible in prophetic terminology means a kingdom. Remember when Daniel saw the goat, when he saw the he-goat, and he saw a horn raised up, and then another horn raised up? Well, it was a kingdom, or it was a Persian empire, we'll say, and then it would be one king and another king, each horn representing a power. Notice what his power was identified on the earth by. Horns, the church. Amen. It was not this preacher and that preacher and the deacon board, the trustee board. His power on the earth was the church. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now notice here the lamb is identified with his church. And the church is identified with her lamb. Amen. 
having seven horns and seven eyes. Now the eyes is the messenger of the age. So here John sees the lamb and he sees seven horns. And in every horn there was an eye. Every horn there was an eye. So in there what was it? It was the kingdom of the Messiah that started out in Acts 2. What we read right here tonight. It was going to be through those seven eyes, those seven messengers, that God would give his light in every day. The horn under the administration of that eye would be the church of the living God. They are the Lamb's protection. Praise. You say, Brother Donnie, why are you so passionate? Hey, I'm called to protect my Lamb. I'm not just a bystander, somebody that just stands on and looks. I'm called to protect this word. I'm part of the horn. What about you? Oh, praise God. Seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, send forth into all the earth. Now, what's the problem? When he takes this, again, he says this. Out of the throne proceeded lightning, thunders, voices of seven lamps. Wait till we get to that. Burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God, reflecting the light of God into the church. Right straight from the throne of God. Look where it's coming from. Look at people that think they don't need a messenger, they don't even believe their Bible. They don't even believe their Bible. The light comes from the throne of God via these messengers from those messengers down to the church and those that receive the word of God for the age they live in. Well, I don't need Paul, but woman hater. I don't need William Branham. Well, I'll go ahead and walk around in darkness if you want to. But to me, I'm wide open for the light of God shining through his men. Reflecting the light of God into the church right straight from the throne of God. Not through a seminary, not through some bishop, but from the throne of God by a revelation of the power of his resurrection. Making him the same yesterday, today, and forever. Them seven stars standing there reflecting that light. That's why they didn't come to build a denomination. Brother Branham never come to build a Branham organization. The people who want to build a Branham organization or dangerous like the, the Baptists and Methodists, all the rest of them, they don't get that anointing from Brother Branham. Amen. They get it from the devil. Amen. He had one desire. That was that people might know the Lord Jesus. Amen. And people might be closer to God, not closer to him. Amen. That's a true messenger. Any true pastor, evangelist, teacher, so on and so on, that's exactly their message. If it's always pointing back to them, forget them. Forget it. If they're talking about their self and how great they are and how wonderful they are, how you cannot make it without them, forget it. Get away from them. You know right there, there's something wrong. Every one of us are replaceable. Well, thank you, Jesus. Notice, reflecting the light of God into the church right straight from the throne of God, not through a seminary. This is why the message don't need a pope. The message does not need a bishop. I mean a bishop in the sense of denominational that tells us what to do, when to play a tape, how to play the tape. All right, everybody stay home now tonight. I feel led for us to not to go to church. Well, it was the devil that led you to do that because the Bible tells me forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Hallelujah. 
Brother Donnie, I'll take care of nuts. I, I, I begin to agree with you. I believe I am too. I believe I've lost my mind. Praise God. I believe I've st- I believe I've lost my mind. I believe I have. I believe I've totally lost my mind. I believe I pre- went completely heaven oh, not wacko, heaven oh, because I'm getting so much closer with his own thinking and his own desire. I don't feel at home no more in this world. Every day that goes by, I feel more and more and more I want to leave this place. Every day goes by, this earth gets worse for me to live here and worse for you to live here. It may not take but three more days or a week or a month and we will be gone. Amen. Amen. Why would it so alarm people that the fullness of the word of God would return in this day and with it the spectrum of light that would reveal the attribute of the fullness of God? His amber color has come back. Well, glory to God. And remember, it wasn't people who worked for Brother Branham that that took that picture. It wasn't somebody in Brother Branham's office. It was people that didn't like him. Well, praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. I've been right there, my friends. It's still right there in Washington, D.C. in the Library of Congress. It was up at Brother Mike Walls. Me and Carol Church. July was it, Carol? Something like that. And we went through all the clearance, you know, this and that and the other to get through it. Went right over. You know, these people are watching. You come through. They know where you're going because they can see the women with the dresses on. And you can watch them as they see you. They know exactly what drawer you're going to. They know. And you go over there and you pick it out. And there they pick it out. And there's the picture. And you're all just standing there smiling. They're just kind of sitting over at their desk looking at you. And they, yeah, more of them. Yeah, more of them of us that's right you're not going to embarrass us that that's our god hanging in that picture i tell my brother ma'am i'm telling you that's our god above our prophet's head amen amen ah praise the lord Notice this. Now, it says, them seven stars standing there reflecting that light, the Shekinah light, from the Shekinah glory, from the holiest of holy. Seven lamps on fire, setting on top of these candlesticks. Don't you understand, friends, when you listen to Future Home and you see that same image in the last day, when it comes into the eighth day, Jesus on top of the mountain, he says. On top of the church. That's where he wants to be with you. On top, your head. Jesus don't want to be down here under your feet. That's a spare tire. He is not your spare tire. That you're you. He wants to be your head. He wants to be on top of you. He wants to be your capstone. He wants to be the very thing you pull, everything you do to that headstone of your life. Notice, sitting on top of the candlesticks, reflecting his light, his colors of his power, of his resurrection right into the church. Now, this is what he wanted to do. So he reflects his sevenfold manifestation into the church, his colors, his power, all that he is, oh, praise God, right into the church. 
Notice again, seven stars, seven lamps, seven messengers, seven spirits. Not altogether meaning that God is in seven spirits, but seven manifestations of the same Holy Spirit. Did Lucifer have a portion of the Holy Ghost? The true Lutherans will be in the rapture. Did Wesley have a portion of the Holy Ghost? You better believe they did. Did Pentecost have a portion of the Holy Ghost? But we got more to portion. He has come back among us. Now you don't have the fullness. I don't have the fullness. But the fullness of the attribute of God is here. And this is why it wants to appear among us. If he can find somebody with enough faith to believe, be able to believe it. Notice, oh my, where's the Holy Spirit? Here at the throne, shining out in each church age. This church age is reflecting back this way, the voices of God. So the Holy Ghost, the Son of God, is on the throne of God, and God's picking out each one of these seven manifestations. Of course, we know who we are, and we're in the last day. So God has chosen Malachi 4, 17, Revelation 10, and through that, God, through the throne of God, from the throne of God, through the administration of the Holy Ghost shining right through the star, and that's why people say, why don't you all get tired of this? How can we? The light of God's still shining through it. If the Lord tarries another thousand years, there'll be generation after generation after generation of young preachers that will raise up still preaching this message. Why? Because it will be the light to the rapture. This is the final phase. Praise God. Brother Donnie, ain't you running out of things to preach? You've got to be kidding me. I've got Siri studied out, friends, on my laptop at home. I've never even got to yet. I've got years of stuff studied out. I don't know if that means we got a long time to go or I'm just really living close to the fountain. I don't know what it means. That's pretty exciting to me though. That's pretty exciting to me that I ain't got to reword it and just kind of warm it up, you know, stick it in a microwave, you know, and just push a button and say, well, how can I retitle this? It's the same old, same old as it's always been. But let me, let me word it in such a way so they'll think it's new. Aren't you glad when you come to the house of God and you sit there and you just get mesmerized again and again and again and you just say, Lord, have mercy. Where does that come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from the throne of God. Oh, my, it don't come from some seminary somewhere. It don't come from no pope or no bishop. It comes from Jesus Christ. Lord, children, if you could only realize that seventh angel ain't here no more, but the anointing is. The administration coming through that lampstand is still here. There was voices and lamps on fire. Oh. On fire, were they? So they weren't just sitting there smoldering. That scares me, hush that stuff. Man, that don't sound like no fire to me. That sounds like the moan and groan of a dead wilderness. 
Oh, hallelujah, but them lampstands was on fire. Let me tell you and let me tell the devil. The Lord God has got a lampstand on the earth in the last day. Who is it? It ain't Happy Valley. It's his bride around the world. They're in India. They're in Africa. They're in the United States. They're in Canada. They have the representation of being on fire. Thrones, lightnings, what? Seven lamps. Lamps are seven stars called seven spirits, meaning the manifestations of the Holy Spirit of the seven church ages as the seven seats of mercy. Don't you understand what the Lutheran denomination people are doing? They're still, Brother John, going back to the mercy seat of Luther. That was wonderful. But that was 500 years ago. The mercy seat has moved on. What's the Methodist done? Going right back to the Methodist mercy seat. What's the Pentecostals done? I'm going to bring her on down. What's the Pentecostals done? Going right back to the Pentecostal. Was that not where God met the people at one time? Yes. But it's moved on. Well, glory be to God. I said it's moved on. Where is it? It's right down here at the final striking, right before midnight. The final phase of the last church age. The final moments of the last church age that the prophet called it the bride age. The bride age is not a separate age from the seven. It's just an increment of time right at the very end of Laodicea. Don't you understand the Pentecostal mercy seat come right up through that time frame. Who knows when it stopped, Brother Jim? It might have been the opening of the seals. It might have been 1977. I don't know when it was. But somehow, remember, the prophet of God come and and did preach to the Pentecostals. Yes, he did speak to the Pentecostals. But he come with a diversified message in that he's indicting the Pentecostal and said, good morning to the bride. Amen. Hallelujah. When he preached shalom, he showed the twofold manifestation of his ministry of bringing the Pentecostal age to an end and also a new day for the elect of God. Praise the Lord. Seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit of the seven church ages as the seven seats of mercy for the people. Here they are. Seven seats. Seven seats of mercy. Seven seats. Seven churches. Seven stars. Seven manifestations. Seven spirits. Seven lamps. Oh my, how God is so perfect. 
So then when God moves from the tabernacle uh, in the wilderness, which they'd given there for several hundred years, and then finally become destroyed, and then what did God do? The Shekinah, the pillar of fire, moved into the temple that Solomon built. Well, if you would have wrecked another tabernacle out in the wilderness out there one thing, I don't like that new place. I don't care for that place at all. I, I don't like that. I'm going to go back here and build another tabernacle. I don't care how much you proved, how many sacrifices you offered. It wouldn't do no good because the mercy, well, glory to God, the mercy seat had now moved into Solomon's temple. Don't you understand that whenever it come to the Lord Jesus, they could stand there and offer their sacrifice all they want to, but the mercy seat had now moved into a human being. In seven church ages, it has moved seven times. It crossed the English Channel twice. It come across through Germany, and it come across, and what did God do? Out of the last nation upon the earth, the ram, oh, glory to God, the ram has come and sounded the sound of Christ, and right in the very nation represented by a buffalo. Speak of God, but Ram the Aries, the lion of the tribe of Judah, out of there, God said, From there, I will bring the last message. <laughs> Satan moved his headquarters from Paris to the west coast in Hollywood. Wonder why he moved it to the United States. He's got enough sense to know where God's going to send the last message from. God ain't sending the last message from the Gentiles from uh, Trinidad. No, no, he ain't sending it from France. He ain't sending it from Germany. He chose the United States. Praise be to God. Well, hallelujah. God could allow Brother Bram to have been born in New York City if he wanted to, but God chose Kentucky. Well, praise the Lord. He could have been born in Manhattan and come out speaking like some of those folks up there in New York and most of us wouldn't even have known what they're talking about. But God said, nope, I'm gonna let him be born down there in the sticks and the hollers. Amen. I'll put him before kings. I'll put him before potentates. They'll laugh behind his back, but when he prays, they'll walk. Oh, glory to God. They'll have multiple sclerosis. They'll have this and that and the other, but I will so stand with him. Cancer won't even stand in his way. Friends, if this is what God ushered in part of the light of this day, miracles, supernatural signs and wonders, why would we stumble if that same power of God is moving in the body? No, it's not a major. We do not major on signs and wonders. We major on the Word. But signs and wonders are still part of that Word. Well, hallelujah. Which way did the devil go out? (laughs) <laughs> thank you Lord Jesus no can I go with you a little bit farther seven is perfection five is grace God's grace to his seven church ages his seven messenger men God's grace to his seven church ages his seven messenger men let the world laugh. Let them make fun of it. We don't care what they do. That's up to them. They'll stand before God. We consider Malachi for a gift of God's grace. I guarantee the true Lutherans in the day of Luther considered Martin Luther a gift from God. 
Notice his seven messengers, men, his seven spirits of God, the seven planned seals of redemption were right in now. The seven horns mean seven ages because a horn means a kingdom. You remember the crown that came from the beast horn in Daniel and so forth? Say it means a kingdom or seven ages. And remember Jesus said, some fell asleep in the first watch, one age, then another age, the next watch, the next watch. Now watch how he brings it on down. And then plumb on down to the seventh watch. In the seventh watch, the bridegroom come. Then all of them awakened. So if the seventh watch is over, we have missed it. The rapture's done gone, and the resurrection is completed, and you're left behind. But don't worry. I'm still here. Boy, you say, you're, you're, well, listen, hey, that's what the prophet of God told me in the third seal. You've got to have the kind of faith that there ain't but one going. You're that one. Amen. I'm talking about pride and arrogance. I'm talking about have a revelation of God that you know God loves you so much. There ain't, he ain't going to have no rapture without you being in it. Amen. So it's seven ages was the seven horns and the seven churches or the seven dispensations of the body of believers. Now you see, with the brothers around our ranks that are trying to make another age, notice in the rapture. Now we find here that Enoch was the seventh from Noah, which was a type of the church age. Now all of the rest of them, six men, they died before him. But Enoch was translated. Enoch was raptured. The seventh. Showing that it's the seventh church age that takes. Now remember the word bride age, which he says it what, six times, seven times? The word bride age is not in the Bible. So let's see how the man who coined the term bride age. Let's see if he believed mercy was over. And let's see if he believed that the bride age was a separate age from the Laodicean church age. This is the man who coined the term. Not you, not me, not some of these know-it-all smart aleck message preachers. Notice now he said, we're in the... What? Look at this date, 12-4-65, and he's still saying we're in the seventh church age? This is the same man who said we're in the bride age. Well, y'all getting quiet on me. Oh my, now there's no doubt. We're in the seventh church age. We all know it. So these other folks who don't think we are, I'm not sure who they all is. Because they don't know it. 
But you see, many of them, when they try to do that, well, we're in another age. We're in a different age from the same. Brother Branham was the messenger to the seventh age, and actually, Brother Branham was sent to the Pentecostals, they say. So we're moving beyond Brother Branham's message now. So now it's the Holy Ghost. So in other words, it's whatever any man wants to preach. So in other words, you're taking us back to the, day, the book of Judges. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Well, hallelujah. Well, now, Brother Donnie, it's the time of the Holy Ghost. Uh, explain yourself to me, please. So in other words, you can stand up and say, well, the Holy Ghost told me to say this, and this man will say, well, the Holy Ghost told me to say that, and somebody else said the Holy Ghost said, well, you got to have word to back it up. Oh, no, 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 we're in, we're in, the, we're in the bright age, so we're, the Holy Ghost himself just takes us and speaks us out. Liar. Amen. The Holy Ghost ain't going to say nothing contrary to this word. But how many believe we're in the bright age? Do you believe the message you did? Well, I believe we're in the bright age, but still in Laodicea. Friends, the hardest place is always the most difficult to find is the middle of the road. You'll find people in this ditch and people in this one. I'm tired of ditch running. You find all the trash in the ditches. Roads are made to be high in the middle. So whenever it rains, you understand that, right? When you drive down an interstate, you know that they have an elevated degree to where it comes up in the middle so that the rain will automatically run off. Well, it does so with the trash. And that's where we find all this trash around our message. And it's awful those who cannot find the balance. Oh, praise be to God. But the real bride is going to be right down the middle of the road holding the word of God. You see, one quote don't find another. There's got to be an understanding. And the understanding is right in the middle of the road. Notice, now it's the seventh church age. So then if the bride age is not part of the seventh church age, we don't get to go on a rapture. You understand? What is it? It's just the emphasis has changed. Right at the very end of the Laodicean age where it's bride time. He calls it bride time, bride light, bride manifestation, bride age. He calls it different things. But it's still in the seventh. Just right at the end. Oh, God, y'all ought to be shouting with me about right now. So it means we're not at the beginning. We're not at the middle. Ain't it amazing he didn't even use this term bride age so right at the very end of his ministry? Well, hallelujah. It's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. All the other six died, but Enoch was translated because he was not found. God took him, but Enoch rapture was the type of the rest of them dying. But the end time bride will be called out. The rapturing without death will be called out of which we are now bearing record so we've got a problem then. Here is the church age messenger who used the term bride age and two sermons before this is his next to his last sermon of his life. 
And Brother Rob, he's still saying we're in the seventh church age? And brothers will absolutely stand in the pulpit and say, if you're still looking for Jesus to come in the clouds, Tommy rot. Pentecostal Tommy rot. If that's what it takes to get deep, I hope we never get deep here. We are now bearing record of that age. So watch this now. Look, let's, let's, let's use a couple of scriptures here. Let's look at the number seven. Genesis 2.1. Thus the heavens and the earth are finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and he rested. Amen. On the seventh day. From all of his work which he had made. And she said, I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. And she says to him, Come, my beloved, let us go into the fields. Let's leave the city and go into the fields. Let's taste of the mandrakes. Let us see if the flowers do bloom. Find that in the Song of Solomon, what chapter it is. You'll see where we are. Amen. And on the seventh day, he ended his work. Now, this is God's millennium. Verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he rested from all his work which God created and made. What is it? Seven. Perfection is seven. So if we enter into the eighth age, then we go out of the eighth into the millennium back into seven. That sounds like the way I used to count when I was like in kindergarten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, seven. And then eight again. But if we'll leave it just like he said it, it's perfect. But when we go to manipulating it and twisting it to kind of make us a little bit above our brothers, so our brothers will have to come to us to get the revelation. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand before I get stoned by rocks. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, praise God. Don't you love it? Amen. Seven stars, seven messages, seven seats of mercy. Seven colors, seven manifestations of the Spirit of God. And think of it, friends. Maybe just a few more settings of the sun till all the sevens will finally be gathered together. What anticipation heaven must be under at this very night. Praise God. Amen. Aren't you glad to be a part of it?
don't, you know, when you hear people ridicule and make fun of us and what we stand for, they try to understand a prophet and they, whatever more, don't, don't feel bad at them. Feel sorry for them. Amen. And just thank God that you can see. Because if it wasn't for light to lead you and show you, what good would it do for you to have the blood? What washed us? What constantly when we come to the house of God and we're constantly here, quit that and quit that and don't do this and stop that. He said, why do you keep saying that? It's the mixture of light and blood. So when the word brings it to our attention, I didn't know that was wrong before. I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't know that was wrong. Light shined on that area of your life. Then what do you do? You confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you. What does that give you? The right to personal fellowship. Koinia. Communion. Fellowship. Koinia. With him. And we walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Let's bow our heads together. Oh, praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you tonight, Father, for your mercy. Lord, we we want to say we appreciate it so very much to be allowed to see the truths of this day. How sad it would be, Lord, For some who sat around the ranks of this message, now they spend their days and their weekends hunting and searching and looking for everything they can to try to present and look like a mistake. So they can write a new book and put on a new website. What a terrible thing. One of these days, some of these great scientists of the world who've spent their life trying to prove evolution. And at the judgment seat, when they come out, it won't be Mr. Darwin they stand before. But no doubt, they will see Mr. Darwin as he stands before the judgment seat. They will not walk before the Isles of Galapagos. They'll not walk before Costa Rica and where they went and established this fact of so-called this and that and the other. They will stand before the judgment seat of God. They will have spent their entire life in vain trying to prove there is no God trying to prove that we come from monkeys but it won't be a monkey on that throne it won't be a blob of green something another it will be the almighty God Lord Jesus we're so grateful Father that you have helped us to settle that question a long time ago Praise God. And now weekly and daily, as we come into your presence, we're washed by the water of the word. I mean, oh Lord, the priest, when they would come in for their daily administration, we know they didn't get to go in behind the Holy of Holies, but once a year. But yet when they would come in for the daily administration, there was a pot on the outside, a large laver which had his feet. And it was made out of the women's looking glasses. They would wash their feet and their hands daily, which was their walk and their works. So as they would come from out there and 
walking to worship and walking to serve God. God said, don't come in like that. And there they would wash. Same way when you come to Peter and he said, if I don't wash you, he ain't got no part. Lord, wash my hands and my head. He said, he that is washed and he does not but to say but to wash his feet. That's our daily walk. Thank you, Lord, for the light of this message. If it was not for it, a lot of our sisters would be standing in church tonight with bobbed hair, earrings, makeup, pants on in church, mini skirts. Brothers would be standing here with long hair and necklaces on looking like women. But the reason we ain't is because the light through that lampstand is still shining bright. Praise God. That seventh angel messenger not only brought us truth about the Godhead, but he brought us truth about holiness. Praise God. And we have to be reminded of it every now and then so we don't become out there and get identified with the filth of the world. So what do we do? We're just reminded of the holiness and cleanliness that's around us, the sanctification. And it washes us. And we say, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Lord, forgive me. But what is it that brings it to our attention? Light. So the light shines upon the error. It illuminates it, opens our eyes to the illumination. And then we ask for forgiveness. So Satan don't have to destroy the blood to stop forgiveness. If he can stop the light, then forgiveness becomes stagnant and stale and people cannot even ask for it. They don't even know to. That's why millions of people go to church, drink, smoke, lie, cheat, steal, live every kind of life. But they don't hear from the pulpit those things are wrong. So they're walking around in darkness thinking they're under the blood. Thank you for the light, Lord. Oh, it cuts us. It trims us. Lord, it burns our hide. But thank you for every time I get burnt, Lord. Thank you for every time a man of God will preach the word, whether it's me and a burning my own self or whether it's some other servant of God I'm hearing. Thank you for the light of God, Lord. Thank you for the light that opens my eyes and helps somebody say, I need to measure up. I need to do this better. I need to do that better. Then what do I do? Always the same thing as these people here do. Lord, I'm sorry. What led me to repentance? Light. So will I repent if the light's cut off? No. Then I won't repent because I won't see it. So I'll just go blind. And I'll sit in my state. Well, I'm pretty good. I'm doing all right. I, I must be all right. I mean, you know, I got saved and I, I guess I, don't, I, I could do this and do that. And I don't, don't bother me no more. No, Lord. Keep pouring your light out. Thank you for the light to come through that seventh angel messenger. But that light ain't stopped flowing just because he's gone. The light that come through Luther flowed right on down until the Wesleyan age come and permeated it. Same with Wesleyan down into Pentecost, Pentecost right down into the evening light. And that evening light is still shining right now, Lord God, upon the hearts of your people. Thank you for it, Lord Jesus. May you anoint your men, servants around the world, dear God. Anoint them with a flame of fire from the lampstand to preach the word of God. The gospel, Lord Jesus, that will constantly lead your people into that fellowship of the Son of God. We love you tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many wants to see when you're wrong? You want, you, you want to know when you're wrong so you can repent. You want the Spirit of God to illuminate your heart. God, show me. God, please show me. Brother Remy said, that's why we come to church. 
This is the house of God. This is a place of correction. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Can't you see why Satan wants to stop that? To where preachers then, you know, feel like they're not supposed to whip people and they're not supposed to say anything that hurts them. And it's just not politically correct. Sure, that's what Satan wants. Stand up and talk about the blood every service. But separate the light from the blood. Guess what? You're not getting closer to God. Oh, ain't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Turn and shake hands with somebody and tell them, I thank God for light and blood. But Terry, I thank God for light and blood. Thank God for light and blood. Thank God for light and blood. Amen. Thank God, Brother Jim, for light and blood. Thank God for it, Brother Dow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your holy name, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We'll walk in the light. Amen. Amen. We'll walk in the light. It's a
So the Spirit of God, taking the spectrum through His humanity, shines the invisible to make visible. And the great eternal, which was invisible by Himself, desired to make Himself manifest. Hmm. So He reflects Himself through His humanity in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three great attributes. It bends the light of the invisible and it comes out on the other side reflecting through the seven colors of God oh if I only had time we'd be able to take them colors and show you you have them in your walk with God there's times when you're in the blue phase there's times when you're in the white light times when you're in the indigo but you're always under the scarlet Blue may come and go. Indigo may come and go. But the color of redemption is about you wherever you go. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you take red and look at red through red. And what do you get? What? How's that work? Through Calvary. Now don't worry about that. You try that scientifically and it won't work. Mm-mm. Oh, no. No, it's not been tried scientifically. People try to use that and disprove the message. He just missed what he's even saying. He said he takes the blood of Jesus and looks at through the blood of Jesus at your red sands and they're white on the other side. A microscope can't see that. But what is it? Even in that, it reflects the colors. And the color he wants to see is what? Fine linen, clean and white. And the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. You are identified by the colors of God. Though your sins be a Scarlet, they shall be white like. Let's say it, Harry. Spirit and the bride say, Come. Well, ain't it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm sure that you know that Brother Charlie passed on Sunday. Little that I know Sunday 
when I was preaching that about Jesus weeping and funerals and all that, that we was going to be experiencing another one. Carol and I went to see Brother Charlie on Friday, and uh, he, he was asleep, and I woke him up a little bit. He said, what are you doing here? It's too early in the morning. What are you doing? Nine o'clock. Too early in the morning. I said, no, no, it's not too early. I come to see you. Come to see you. He said, I'm going home. Then he carried said, I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. He said, I'm going to see you. He looked at Carol, took her hand and said, I'm going to see you too. My goodness, I went over there Sunday evening after church and I could not believe how much and how quick our brother had changed. But I'll tell you one thing, he ain't no 96-year-old man now. I don't know if they had anybody going through the bluegrass singing, wahoo, or not, but they've got somebody now. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. I'm sure Brother Joel announced it, but we'll be having the viewing Saturday evening and then the funeral service Saturday night, and then the tournament will be Monday at the VA. So remember that. But we'll be having service, regular service, Sunday, Sunday morning. So God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for allowing us to be together again tonight, Lord. It's been so rich, so wonderful. I love Wednesday night church. Thank you so much for it, Lord. Go with us now, dear God. Bring us back at the appointed time. Pray that you'll be at Brother Charlie's family this week, Lord, as they prepare for the funeral and sort through the different things, Lord, that any family has to deal with, Lord Jesus. May you help them, I pray, in these next few days, Lord. Dear God, we just look for your presence to be with us as we celebrate our brother's life. Dear God, may each of us make preparation to be ready to meet him. Grant it, dear Lord, go with us now. Bring us back at the appointed time we ask, Father. In Jesus' name. Sing it for us here as we go. God bless you, saints. The Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit and the bride are saying, come. come. You like to be stirred inside their, their hearts. It's our uniting time has come. We and the Father are one. So Just with